All right. Um, are you guys ready? I'm going to continue on a little bit from two weeks ago, uh, sharing on the kingdom of God. And how many know the kingdom of God is Jesus? When Jesus came, he could have he could have chosen anything to talk about. So he could have you know he could have chosen anything. He could have came as God the Judge. He could have came as God this. He could have came whatever. But he, he chose to, to not just talk about, but illustrate, demonstrate, and model the kingdom. That's what he came to do. Yeah? Okay. Are you awake? All right, cool. And he, so everything that Jesus did, everything that he did, so when he, with the woman of the issue of blood, when she touched the hem of his garment, that was that was the kingdom of God manifesting and showing itself on planet Earth. Right? Okay, just, just get you warmed up. So we talked a little bit about that, and we, talked, we started in Isaiah 61, and we're going to go back there today as well, and uh, we're going to jump around a few different verses. But just the preoccupation of the church before the Reformation was how... Can I stay out of hell? The preoccupation of the church during the Reformations was how do I get to heaven? The preoccupation of Jesus was how do I bring the kingdom of God to earth? There's a difference. Come on. And I shared last week about Daniel 2. It says that Jesus was the, that, sorry, the stone, it was the stone cut out of the mountain, not made of human hands. Remember that? Daniel 2. If you weren't here, you just have to listen to the podcast, YouTube, whatever one you like to listen to back. And so, so the, the rock, the stone cut out of the mountain, it says in Daniel 2, it says, in the days of those kingdoms, and he prophesies about the gold kingdom, bronze kingdom, and the, the toes that are brittle, partly iron, partly clay. It says, in the days of those kingdoms, there'll be established a kingdom that will never end and will n- never be shaken and will be, and it's talking about Jesus because he's the stone cut out of a mountain not made of human hands, right? He's partly of earth and partly of heaven. Born of a virgin, born of God, right? Fully God, fully man. And so we, we talked about this and we started in Isaiah 61 where it says that we've been given permission to rebuild the ancient ruins, to raise up the former devastations of many generations. And so you and I, when Jesus left the planet, he actually left a commission for us to undertake and it's to bring the kingdom of God to earth. What did he teach his disciples to pray? Our Father. So that's awesome. It means you've been invited into a family. You haven't been invited into a business. You haven't been invited into uh, an organization. You've been invited into an organism with a Father. Right? So our Father. And he says, what? Pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I was talking the other week with someone. I had the privilege of preaching at a church, um, one of the largest churches in our state. And, um, and I, was, I was preaching in the young adults service. And I got asked this question, and I was talking on identity and righteousness and, you know, just something different for me to preach on. And, and so, and, um, and that's what I got asked to speak on, so I, I had to speak on that. And, uh, and I, was, I was speaking on that, and someone asked this question. They said, oh, Liam, you know, I, I follow these guys and these high ministers, and they've, they've fallen recently, so what do I do with that? How do I... What do I make of this because they've, they've fallen into sin or whatever it is? And I, I, I just, I said, well, isn't it great that our example isn't them? Our example is Jesus, right? We're not following them. We're following Jesus. He's the standard. He's the standard. So you're not following a church. You're follow, like, it's great to be a part of a church. I believe in the, being a part of the local bride. Uh, in, in the Bible, it says that the church is the buttress, <coughs> It, that means it's, it's of high value in the world. 
That's what that, that basically means. It means the local church is of high value. And it, it's, it's, it's like one of the pillars in society, and it should be. And it, that we actually have, that we're actually a part of, not just, we're not little islands floating in and we get to do what we want to do and we call it like, you know, oh, I'm just, a, you know, I'm just following the Lord. And I'm just, I'm, that's all I'm doing is following. It's like, yes, we all should be following the Lord, but we get to follow, like in heaven, do you know you're all in there? If you're a part of the kingdom, you get to meet that person again in heaven and you get to hang out with them for eternity. So if there are issues with people, like just sort it out now. <laughs> just get it sorted now because you're going to have a lot of time to hang out with them, right? But we're, God grafts us in and Jesus is our father and he grafts us into the body if the toe is not working, it's hard to walk. I, I hurt my leg the other week because I, I, I had an MCL issue about six years ago. I got sideswiped brutally. Were you there, Danny? No, nah, oh, it was what, the worst tackle I have been a part of in 34 years of playing soccer. It's the worst tackle I've ever seen. This guy swiped, sideswiped me, right? And uh, it, it just... My MCL was torn, and anyway, and it's caused me problems. And last, last two weeks, you guys saw I was walking with a limp. Bunch of you prayed. Last two weeks, it's been fine, right? It's been really good. My point is, it's only my MCL. It's only a little tiny ligament in my knee, right? But that tiny ligament being out and not strong in the Lord causes to walk with a limp. As the body of Christ, when we actually come together and we come into the fellowship of the brethren, we actually, let me put it this way, freedom, freedom in Christ isn't I don't get to do, isn't I get to do what I want. Right? Freedom in Christ is I'm a part of a body, I'm a part of the church, I'm a part of the ecclesia, but then what happens is this place, we come, we worship the Lord. We, we believe, we're, going, we're praying every Thursday, every Tuesday we're praying together. We're praying that God would come and meet, meet us here on the Sunday morning in our home groups, in our, in our prayer times, in our fellowship, the things that we call the sanctuary, which is one element and one part of the tribe of the greater body of Christ in Australia and in the world. Yeah, right? So we're praying for that, but... If, if we as, as the body of Christ don't actually be united in the, in not, not hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. If we're not united under the banner of Jesus and we don't come with our own agendas, we come with what he's wanting to do, say, and, and in the structure of the church and in the structure of, this, of the, the way that God set it up, and then from here we get equipped, we get trained, and then we get released to actually take it outside of the four walls of the church. That's, that, that's, all right, okay, Dean agrees with me. The rest of you, you're not so sure. All right, okay. All right, because what tends to happen in the church, what tends to happen in the church world is, is we come into Christianity, we come into church, and then we stay there. What I mean by that is, we create systems and structures that are church orientated and they will help build the church. And Jesus, remember last week I said, Jesus is building the church. It's our job to extend the kingdom of God. And the church creates structures that will work in the church, but they won't work anywhere else. They won't work. Like you can't, this is not, like this, you can replicate this, but this isn't, this is a five, 10 percenter of how we should live the Christian life. This, this right now is, is we're teaching, we're edifying, but is, it's not fellowship. It's not one-on-one -on -one life. That happens in your home groups. That happens in your everyday life. Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples. That word go is the word when you're going. In your going, make disciples. So does that, does that mean I'm not, I don't be a part of a church? No. The, the beautiful part of being a part of a church is we get equipped, we get corrected, we get to come together and have fellowship, right? 
We get to be a part of the local, local body. We get to be impactful in our world. We, you know, one slay 1,000, two slay 10. What do 150 or, or whatever slay? It's exponential in the kingdom, right? When there's unity. What did Jesus do in, in, in Acts 1? He said, wait in Jerusalem so I can give you the blueprint and the strategy of how to create slick church services. No, he didn't say that. He said, wait in Jerusalem so that you will receive the Holy Spirit and power. John 7.37 says that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, he, he was prophesying about the Holy Spirit and he says, the Holy Spirit will be in you like a river. He said, and then he said, which you are not yet to receive because I have not yet gone to be with the Father. That's awesome because that means that the Holy Spirit that you receive is a re resurrected spirit. It's the resurrection power of Jesus, not the law power of, of God. When Jesus was baptized in, in the water, it says he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit ascended on him and and in the form of a dove and remained. Gosh, I hope there's God tube in heaven. I just hope there's YouTube in heaven because I want to see that. Anyone else? Wanna? I've got my list. I've got the, the Valley of the Dry Bones. Right, I want to see that. Walking on water. Jesus going into the pits of hell and taking the keys of the kingdom back. The resurrection. I've got, a, I've got a list. I've got a list that I'm like, God, I, I want to see these when I, when I get to heaven, right? And, uh, or, or just now, in a vision. I'll just have it now, in a vision, whatever, right? And, uh, and so, uh, so Jesus comes up out of the water. And, and from that time up until the baptism, Jesus doesn't preach about the kingdom and he has no disciples, But then it says, when he comes out of the wilderness, out, out of the water, and then into the wilderness, and then it says, and then from that time forth, Jesus started to proclaim and declare the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? He didn't have disciples up until that point because you don't have, he doesn't want disciples that follow him to the law, that want to fulfill the law. He says, I fulfill the law. And then I want you to follow me in the kingdom of God. I don't want you to follow me. I'm the one that will die on the cross. I'm the one that will be uh, crushed and crucified and resurrected. And I want you to follow me after that. So I'm going to deposit my spirit in you. So it's the resurrected spirit. And it's like a river. Are you following me? Right? It's like a river. So it's not a dam. It's not, a, it's not a, a big thing that just sits there and does nothing. It's a river that flows. Rivers have riverbanks. You need riverbanks. You need healthy things that help the river of God flow. Otherwise, you have a torrent and a dam that never goes anywhere and just gets lost. Right? Are, are, are you, yes? All right. Let's read some scripture. All right, go, go to Ephesians 1. Actually, I want to start in Ephesians 1 and then we're going to go back to Isaiah and then or Dan, and Daniel as well. Reinhard Bonnke said, was asked once, they said, Reinhard, there is lots, you know, you say that where Jesus paid for sin and sickness on the cross and there's still sin and sickness in our world. And he said, well, I, I won't try and do his accent. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I need to get Salas up to do the, the, the strong accent. But, but Reinhard said, yes, well, there's more soap in the world today than there was 200 years ago. And there's still dirty people. You've got to actually apply, you've got to take the soap, actually apply it to your life and let it actually impact your life but then you've also got to give it away if I can just be really real we have a lot of Christians that and I heard this phrase for this morning 
being a soccer player, I'm just going to go with it. But I felt like the Lord said that I'm cancelling the red cards. I heard this phrase. He said, I'm cancelling the red cards. If you know what a red card is, red card is when you've, you've done something really wrong or you've been sidelined. Maybe it wasn't even your fault. Maybe the referee just didn't like you and, and wanted to give you a red card and send you off onto the bench. And there's a lot of Christians that you're on the bench. You're on the bench and, and, the, and the Lord is actually inviting you. He's saying, I want you to come and be a part of the team. I want you to come and play again. I want you to come and have a, have a go again. Maybe you played 10 years ago and you've, you've been hurt and wounded by something. Maybe you were in ministry. And guess what? You're all in full-time ministry. Did you know that? You're all in full-time ministry. And the, bo- the body of Christ, that's why I use the, these examples of, of injured bodies because we, don't, we need the toes to be good. We need the, the, lig- the ankles to be healthy. We need the, the knees to be strong. We need the hamstrings to be strong. We need the reproductive system to be strong. We need every part of the body to be functioning in what the body is called to so we can actually see the kingdom of God advanced on planet earth. He prayed that prayer. That's not my prayer. He prayed it. Jesus prayed it. He told his disciples, pray this way. We have to believe it. And I just believe the Lord's cancelling. He's cancelling the red cards. He's cancelling them. And he's saying, I want you to come back. I want you to come back into the playing field. Yeah? All right. Uh, Ephesians 1. We're going to read a bit of scripture here. So Ephesians 1. Uh, verse, we'll start at verse 3 and then we're going to jump to Ephesians 2. I want to show you this because I, don't, I think every one of us in here are, are a Gentile, unless you're born of Jewish origin. But this, this is, explains um, when you and I got grafted into the kingdom. All right, you're going to see it. All right, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us, I am emphasizing the us, in the beloved, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespass, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on on earth. All right, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, now listen to this, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. All right, I'm going to show you what Paul is talking about. Paul uses the word us 11 times in chapters 1 and chapters 2. And he says, and we were the first to hope in this glory. Please, when you read your Bible, you have to firstly understand that the writer of this book is writing this to readers that would have read it in their context. We often, and this is great, but we often read something and we're like, oh, the us, it's talking about the church, it's talking about me. And we put ourselves in the story. And there's nothing wrong with that, because God speaks to us in that way. But there's often context, reader relevance, that the reader of that time is actually, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and he's trying to address something. Are you with me? I'm going to show you what he's addressing. So jump down, um, chapter 2. 
Uh, we'll start at verse four. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love which he lavished on us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that the coming ages, right? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For This is the famous verse now. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Right, So there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. There's no good work. You couldn't give a million dollars, a billion dollars. It doesn't matter how many people you treat really nicely. That doesn't earn you your salvation. It's only the gift and the grace of God through faith. Right, That is the only way you can be saved. Just a side note, I don't need to preach this in this church, but I'm just going to do it anyway. There's only one way to God, it's through Jesus. There's no multiple ways, just the one. Right? <laughs> yeah, all the evangelists are like, amen. <laughs> right, all right. So then it says, not a result of works so that no one can boast. Right, So there's not a person in this room that can say, well, I'm more Blah, 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 blah. I'm more blah, 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 blah. No, it's only Christ and Christ alone. He's the only one that can boast. He's the only one. What, what are you going to give him? Uh, yes, Jesus, you were marred for my sins and you were beaten beyond recognition and you died on a cross. But here I led a church of 10,000. He's like, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> right? He's like, this is what I did. Right? So no one can boast. Right? Then he says, For we are his workmanship, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So are works important? Yes. But they're not out of getting, they're out of responding to who we are. Come on. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. Now this is, the go down to verse 11. We're nearly done. Therefore, we're nearly done with reading this passage of Scripture. <laughs> so, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, I hope you catch this, in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Who are the circumcision? The Jews. Who are the uncircumcision? The Gentiles, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of, of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one, has broken down in the flesh the, division, the um, dividing will of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Are you getting it? Right? Then he goes, and might... Uh, uh, da -da -da and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who are far off, that's the Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, that's the Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Wow built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So let me break this down for you. Paul's writing and he says, we, in us there was a promise, in us there was this, in us, in us, in us. We have these promises in us. And he's talking about the Jews. He's saying the Jews were the first, God had predestined, right? He had predestined it to be for the Jews. 
That's, where, that's all that predestination. That's what it is. It's not a God has an elect few that he decides he wants to choose because in John, it says that God, Jesus went to the cross for all humanity, yeah. right? For all mankind, right? And so it's like the predestination is, yes, God has predestined this for the Jews. But then he says, guess what? As Gentiles, you've been grafted in. You were far off, but the com- you've now been brought into the commonwealth of Israel. You've now been brought into the covenants of promise. You have everything that the Jews were promised. You also have them as well, right? So that's what Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. That is when you and I got grafted in. Obviously, we got grafted in on the day we got saved, but that is how uh, biblically you and I got grafted into the kingdom of God, all right? Listen to what Daniel says. I'm just going to read it for time's sake. But Daniel says this um, in Daniel 7, in verse 13. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. Who's the son of man? Who's the ancient of days? The father. Every time in Scripture, uh, there's, there's numerous times where it talks about the cloud coming when the, Jesus coming on the cloud is always, or God coming on the cloud, that is, that is I, I think it's always talking about judgment. So Jesus, it says here, he, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancients of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations and languages should serve him. He shall, and then let's jump to verse 25. He shall speak with words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of Most High and shall think to change the times in the law and they shall be given into his hands for a time, times and a half times. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed, destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominions and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Right? When did, the, when did they sit for judgment? Well, when Jesus went and got the keys of the kingdom back. He goes into hell, Matthew 16, he gets the king, keys of the kingdom back and he comes up and he he's, gets his disciples and he says, hey, listen, boys, I've got the keys of the kingdom back. Whatever you bind on earth, bind on earth what is bound in heaven. Loose on earth what is loosed in heaven. Daniel 7, it prophesied this. It says, it'll be given to the ones, that, the saints of the most high. Are you with me? Right? Go to Isaiah 61. This is our last passage, maybe. I know I'm talking quick. Verse 1. The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Jesus quotes this when he comes on the scene. He quotes Isaiah 61, but he adds a verse. Did you know that? He adds a verse that's not in there. And he, said, in, uh, 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 he says, the, um, to proclaim the liberty of the... Uh, to, sorry, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And then he says, and give recovery of sight to the blind. Do you remember that? Yeah. But it's not in there. So Jesus adds and gives recovery of sight to the blind. Why? Did you know until that point, up until Jesus came on the scene, there was not one blind person that was healed? Not one. There's dead raisings. There's sick people being healed. But there's not one blind person healed until the day Jesus comes onto the scene. 
And he adds that in his job description. He says, I'm going to add this in. What does John the Baptist's disciples ask Jesus when they come to him when John's in prison? They said, hey, are you really the Messiah or should we look for another? Because Jesus' job description was releasing prisoners. And John the Baptist, his cousin, is in prison. So he's like, hey, Jesus, remember your job title? Do you remember? (laughs) Could you get me out of prison? And what does Jesus say? He says, go and tell John what you are, what is happening. The blind see, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. The kingdom of God has come near. They know, they know, Jewish people know when there's a guy that comes on the scene that heals blind people, we need to pay attention because this could be the Messiah. I believe personally that Jesus healed blind people because Jesus came to restore fully humanity. People ask the question all the time. They're like, Liam, why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Like he was going to die again anyway. Because in his world, Lazarus died too early. Come on. In his world, the woman with the issue of blood just touches the hem of his garment and the power and the authority and the anointing that was upon Jesus seeps through a garment and she gets healed. In his world, a woman caught in adultery, he doesn't judge her, he loves her back into the kingdom. He doesn't condone the behavior, but he says, hey, I don't going to judge you, I'm going to love you. Come on. In his world, there's an abundance of food that he just takes a bread, some loaves and some fishes from a young dude. And he's like, I'm going to feed the multitudes because in his world, there's no lack. And he doesn't just provide the bare minimum. He He provides an abundance. I mean, one fifth of Jesus' ministry if, if, you take, if you break down Jesus' ministry, one-fifth is healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, and preaching the kingdom of God and casting out demons. That's one-fifth of the ministry. I'm stirring you up. This, I'm hopefully, <laughs> I'm stirring us up. This, Isaiah 61, so we've been grafted into the kingdom. We have... Like the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Spirit. So you've been grafted into all the promises of God. They're all yours. They all belong to you. And then we sit on the bench and we say, oh, the paid Christians will get that job done. The ones that are employed by the church No, no, it's the saints. It's the saints. You all get to play. You all get to be a part of it. That doesn't mean you all get to be on a pulpit. Trust me, you don't want to. Teachers are judged more harshly. Trust me, right? But you all have the kingdom of God within you. You all have the kingdom of God inside of the Holy Spirit. And it's a river. It's time to let the river of God out. So how do you do that? How do you let the river of God out? Well, you look for situations and circumstances that shouldn't be here, that you have authority and have been commissioned to take authority and power over. And the kingdom, it's the domain of the king. You've been transferred from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his beloved son, Colossians 1 says. This is just a domain with a bunch of devils. This is a kingdom with a king. And he has all authority and all power and all dominion has been given to him. So Isaiah 61 is you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you 
Because what did Jesus say in Matthew 28? He says, all authority has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations and teach them everything to observe everything that I taught you. What did he teach his disciples to do? He didn't teach them to run church services. He taught them to heal the sick. He taught them to raise the dead. He taught them to cleanse lepers. He taught them to cast out demons. He taught them to love people. He taught them how to show humility. He showed them how to bring peace. He taught them how to actually operate in the gifts and the anointings and the flow of God. I don't know about you, but I didn't read in my Bible the shadow healing ministry section. But Peter shadow healed people. We... We, we were, Wednesday night, Thursday night, I know a lot of you saw me on YouTube, which is always awkward. <laughs> Three and a half thousand people turned out to, to, in sunshine over two nights to go after deliverance because they're hungry for freedom. People are hungry, they're hungry for freedom, they want to walk in freedom because they're bound. And all they're doing is asking, would someone believe God at his word? Would someone dare to believe that he said, bind on earth what is bound in heaven? Is there somebody that would just believe him, who he says that he is, that he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to release captives, to set prisoners free. There are people in your world, they don't need a pat on the back. They need you to get them free. They don't need the, I'm all for empathy, right? Empathy, the empathy and compassion are different than sympathy. Sympathy is, oh, well, that's okay, brother. And that's just the way you have to live for the rest of your life. Empathy is you empathize with the person and compassion is you want to bring them out of the hellhole that they're living in. I have one gripe, one gripe with the chosen. I like it. But there's a scene where Jesus doesn't heal the person and that's not in the Bible. Every person that Jesus came to was healed. I love the chosen, by the way. I think it's awesome, right? I think it's, it's really anointed. It's just touching a lot of people. Because in his world, there was, he just, that's what he did. He healed the sick. There wasn't a person that he went to. He said, oh, look, today, it's going to be more glory for you if you remain in your sickness. No, that you, can you have glory in being, in being sick? Can there be glory on your life? Absolutely, Right? And are we there yet? Has every person that I've prayed for been healed? No, right? I've prayed for thousands of people and seen them not healed. But the standard's not Liam. The standard's not my experience. The standard's not Sanctuary Church. The standard is Jesus. He's the standard, right? So I don't have, I might suck at it. I might be not that good at it. But I don't have the right to change the standard that he set for me and my life. And this side of the cross, I'm going for it. Because I don't get to go for it on that side of the cross. <laughs> right? And I, I, don't, I don't care if you disagree with me, that's fine. I, I, that's totally fine. That's, I'm just going to slay demons and slay all the way till the day I die. I'm going for that, right? I'm gonna, if I see a sick person... I, I'm, I'm going to show compassion and empathy. If someone dies, I'm not going to be an idiot and be like, well, you should have had more faith, brother. No, that's stupid, all right? Don't say that. You, you get around them. You love. You're merciful to those who need mercy. You're kind to those who need kindness, right? You show compassion and gentle spirit. Jesus was gentle. He was soft. But when he saw things that did not belong in this world, he cancelled them out. The man, the, the man with the demon possessed men. He wasn't like, oh well, it's your own fault, brother. You opened up a doorway and you let him in. No. In his world, he got rid of him. Because he had authority. 
Authority is like the badge as a policeman. If a policeman walked in here and he says, by the authority that's been given to me by the Australian Federal Police, I can come in here and shut you down. And if that authority had been given, he can do that. Whether you agree with that or not, doesn't matter. He can do it. Or she can do it, whoever it is. Jesus says, you have authority. All authority has been given to me, so now go. Use that authority. That's the badge. If that doesn't work, you have power. Power's the gun. If there's an intruder in my home, I'm not going to interview him and ask him where he came from. Could you tell me your line, your lineage, please? No. I'm going to pull out a gun, if I had one, <laughs> and shoot him. And then ask for forgiveness from the Lord later. No, no. <laughs> Just kidding. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm like, you're trying to intrude my home and, and, and destroy my family. You need to leave. You're in my home. Get out. If he doesn't leave, I pull out the gun. The power of God. It's not just sickness. There's other things. There's, there's things in our world that you and I have, that, that are, we've become complacent about. And jo, John, God, God has given us a commission to actually change the atmosphere and the world and not be influenced by it. When you walk into a room, you change the atmosphere because one and God is the majority. I just, I, I, you know, I, go, I, I grew up in Belgrave. People are, oh, stay away from Belgrave, lots of witches up there. Yeah, there are, but me and God are the majority. So as long as I'm here, I have dominion, right? Because I'm in the kingdom, right? And if God is for me, who can be against me? And if, if, whatever, if I get martyred for our faith, awesome. Come on, we're so comfortable in the West. All of the disciples bar John died. We need a little, we need some backbone. Come on. We need some backbone. Uh, what did I say? Oh, John didn't die. The rest were martyred. What did I say? Yeah, but he wasn't martyred. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, he did die. <laughs> I'd like to present John now to come to the stage. <laughs> why you have people in here it's good no no it's good I'm in the I'm in a I'm in a flow Acts 3 we're nearly done Acts 3 Peter the one he's in the upper room he receives the power of God comes upon him and he it says Peter and, and James were on their way to the temple Peter and John were on their way to the temple and they see the man at the gate, beautiful, begging and asking for money. And Peter says, money I don't have. I'm quiet. But what I do have, I give to you freely. I don't have money to give to you right now. Whether he did or he didn't is irrelevant. I don't have money, but what I, excuse me, what I do have, I give to you. What did Jesus say when he said, when you go into a house, let your peace rest upon that house. If it doesn't find a place to rest, let it return to you. When Jesus was walking, the woman with the issue of blood in the hem of his garment, it says that Jesus felt power go from him. My charge to us this morning is, I really believe it's time to fight. It's time to fight. Not people. It's time that there's things in our world that have just been ruling and dominating because of complacency in the church. Not because of complacency in the world, because of complacency in the church. 
because we've stepped back and we've gone, oh, well, God knows. He'll fix it. No, no. He's given his people the authority and the commission to go and destroy the works of the devil. Out of intimacy with God, you'll destroy the works of the devil. And he's deposited the kingdom of God within you so that every single place, everywhere that you go, the kingdom of God can be advanced and there'll be people, there'll be circumstances, there'll be situations in your world that you get to actually go, hey, I'm here and I get to bring the kingdom of God here now. That's going to look completely different to the way I do it, to the way Dean does it. It's going to look different because I'm not where you are. I just want to pray this one simple prayer. Well, I just want I just want us to be stirred up that the gift that was deposited in us through the laying on of hands would be stirred up for us to walk in good in the works that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. Can I share your word, Julie, that you had? Julie saw this at the start of worship. She said, I saw a large pot on a bed of fire. God's hand was stirring the pot. Now there's a hunger in the body. I know, I know you guys are hungry. I, I know. I know there's a hunger inside here in this place. That there's more. We need not just the authority of God, but we need the power of God. We need the power of God to heal people's spirit, soul, and body. Jesus died spirit, soul, and body to redeem spirit, soul, and body. That's why he healed blind people. That's why he raised the dead. That's why he did what he did. And we need not just ones or twos or threes or fours. We need a company, an army of people that would say, I believe that Jesus is the standard and I'm going to go after this until, we, until we're going to cry out and pray until it starts to manifest. And we've seen measures of it, but there's more. We've seen measures of it. You've seen measures of it in your own personal life, but there's more. I, I really believe that the Lord wants to do something not just not just in this house, but in our families, in this region. One of the prayers that I pray constantly is, God, give us a place that the sick can come to where they will get healed. As I pray that prayer all the time, I'm like, God, give us a place that the sick can come to where they will be healed, they'll be made whole, they'll be set free, and the kingdom of God, we can actually say to people, hey, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto thee. Why don't you stand? Sometimes we just need to get a bit of grit. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to get a bit of passion in us and say, I'm, I'm going to pull on the promises of heaven regardless. Sometimes it's, it's right belief. Sometimes it's, it's right thinking, right belief le le leads to right behaviour. And that's, that's good, but... There's times where we just, we need to actually just say, you know what? I don't care what I look like. I don't care how, how desperate I am. I don't care what it looks like. I'm just going to just go for it. There are some times, you, you know, we, we've, we, we're so, I hear my heart on this. The critical spirit in our church, in our world, when I say our church, I'm talking about the Australian church. The critical spirit of us coming and, oh, they didn't play the right song or it was a little bit loud this morning or it was a, 
you know, I didn't quite like the way Liam said this because it was a bit long or I didn't, well, it was too short or it wasn't, or it was too structured or it wasn't structured enough or it wasn't loose enough or it wasn't this enough or it wasn't. We've got to get it. We've got to move past that. Like seriously, we've got to move past that and come to church, come to the body of Christ and go, I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness and I'll be satisfied. I'm going to give absolute adoration and praise to the King of glory. I'm not going to fix my eyes on the peripherals and I'm going to come and just lay my life down for the King of glory and actually say, Jesus, do whatever it is you want to do with me. I mean, I love, I love what Bill Johnson says about when he went to Toronto. He said, if there'd been an uh, altar call for African-American pregnant women, I would have gone up for it, you know? It's like, how desperate do we have to be, you know? It's like, sometimes you just got to pull on the promises of God and say, God, you said it and I'm going to stick to that until I see it manifest. Because it's not just enough to have good theology. It's not just enough to have good theology. The church has to move in power. All right. Why don't you just put your hands out? I'm just going to pray. And then if people want individual prayer for anything at all this morning. Hmm, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Would this be an Isaiah 61 moment of the Spirit of the Lord, the anointing of God right now would rest upon each and every one of us? Would you come in power right now, Lord? Just fill us afresh right now, God. Thank you, Jesus, that there'd be a hunger in our hearts this morning be a hunger in our hearts this morning, Lord. 